Thank you for joining the journey as we steep in the spirit of expectation for four weeks leading up to the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know who said it, but they're right. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And this is what countless Christians all around the world, it's what they're doing right now. They are expecting the miracle of the Christ child, and we call it the Advent season. Advent means to expect. Just like Mary, the mother of the Messiah, Mary was literally expecting, and and what God said, she did see. Mary and Joseph, they had a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, and they laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. On the contrary, we are making room for him this month because we believe the best indeed is yet to come. In fact, I truly believe that God is baptizing us in the spirit of expectancy even right now. Can you say I'm expecting God to do great and mighty things this month? Say it again. I'm expecting God to do Great and mighty things for me and my family and my ministry this month. The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. And I want you to read the Christmas story. You can find it in Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2. Sometime this month, read Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2. Because when you read the Christmas story you will soon notice all of the signs and the miracles and the wonders. There's so many. And the good news is this. God wants to do so much more in your story. As I always say, the Lord writes the best stories. In fact, when I think about all that God has done since the beginning of time in your life and mine, it makes me want to worship. Because remembering what the Lord has done facilitates faith. And this is what the Advent season is all about. Advent gets you ready to receive all that God wants to do in your life. If you believe it, say, I receive it. So let's remember, the first week we lit the candle of hope, which represents prophecy. The second week... We lit the candle of Bethlehem, which represents the candle of faith. And this week, we light the shepherd's candle, which represents joy. Can you say ha, ha, ha? Because this is probably the most compelling part of the Christmas story, is is the people in whom God chose to include. Mary and Joseph, there's so many. And not only did God bring Jesus down to earth, he did so in a very unexpected way. First in a barn in Bethlehem with sheep. And the first to worship him were not anointed kings and queens, but shepherds out in a field. Now, wait a minute. Shepherds were the people who first received the most powerful news in human history. Now, wait a minute. Luke 2 tells us that an angel appeared to the shepherds after Jesus's birth, and they told them that the Savior had just arrived. And I I quote in verse 8, 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Rightfully so. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. And he is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You need to underline that verse. Verse 12, Luke 2, 12. This will be a sign, a miracle, a wonder. And you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger, end of quote. And this story is very fascinating to me for a variety of reasons. But first, while there's, there's countless debate on who these men were, the shepherds, one thing is for sure, these men were not at the top of the social order. No, one would have had expected that God would have revealed Jesus' birth to kings and priests, not simple, ordinary men out in a field tending sheep. Yet this is how the God of the universe works. He loves to use the humble to teach the proud. 1 Corinthians 1, 27. And he knew that these shepherds men would feel the joy and that they would be satisfied in knowing that their Savior, yes, he was born, and secondly, that they would wholeheartedly accept the truth. And we'll explore this a little later, but before I get ahead of myself, please know that the God of the universe, El Shaddai, uses each of us for his overall purposes. So please know that in the end, we shouldn't be surprised at all that God chose these shepherds men to be the first to meet Jesus because this speaks to the character of Christ. He uses the unwise to conform the wise. He uses what nobody else would use so that he would be glorified. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. They are higher. And this is what God wants to do in your life. Do you believe he really wants to give you the mind of Christ? Do you believe that he can use you in a great and mighty way? Way. It's true. Dr. Luke never discloses the name of the shepherd, which is amazing considering how instrumental they were in the overall story of Christmas and how embedded they are in our revelation and vision of the nativity. It's also unclear just how many arrived to celebrate the occasion. We don't know. But we do know these men, though nameless, are Christmas fixtures. They're first-hand witnesses to one of the most important events in human history, the birth of Christ. They were there. So with this in mind, what do the shepherds represent within the storyline of Advent? It's simple. They represent obedience This is the one thing that we can note about the shepherds in their radical obedience after hearing the announcement 
of the Christ child. And this is how it happened in Luke 2.13. And I quote, suddenly, everybody say suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God, saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Oh my gracious, once the angels left, the Bible tells us that these men said, let's go, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has been happening, which the Lord has told us about, verse 15. These men desired to know the hope and the joy that the angels communicated, which is why they took the journey to see the baby lying in a manger. Clearly, these men saw and believed. They heard and believed. And their obedience to God's word and to desire to intimately know the Savior is something that we can all aspire In essence, you can say that these men were the first evangelists. The shepherds didn't just see and hear these amazing things. No, they also set out to tell others about everything that had happened. Luke 2.17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had happened and had been told to them. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Oh, gracious, these guys were actually the very first evangelists as they spread the good news to other people. They were radically obedient. They were were radically proclaiming the gospel of peace to all people. And another noteworthy part of the story is this. We are all called to do the same. That we are also kings and priests to his name. My friend, Jesus is connected to soul winning. And Jesus is connecting to shepherding people. Evangelism and discipleship. I'm telling you, we are called to do the same. Just like these Average, ordinary men tending the sheep in the field. They were faithful to the call. They were the first to go. And now we are called to go. And perhaps God has other reasons for including these men in their story. After all, their job revolved around keeping the flock safe. And together, their job title alludes to who Christ will be and how he has come to rule his people. Just like a shepherd who oversees the flock, the job description of Jesus was to save the flock of mankind from our sins and to keep us spiritually and eternally safe. To say the least, these two parallels are appalling and and stunning. In Matthew 2 6, we see the wise men pointing back to Micah, who spoke of Jesus as someone who would come and shepherd the people. And even Jesus himself proclaimed in John 10 that he was the gateway for the sheep. 
in the NIV verses 1 through 6 verily verily I tell you that anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by another way he is a thief the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep the gatekeeper opens the gate for him the father per se and the sheep listen to his voice he calls his own sheep by name and leads them and when he has brought out all his own he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. From that point forward, Jesus called himself the gateway for the sheep and that anyone who enters through him shall be saved. Would you agree the shepherdsmen in the nativity story are the first sign that we see in Jesus' life that really points to his purpose for coming down from heaven. And this is it. Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which was lost. And the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And his joy was the joy of seeing souls saved and safe. Seeing souls saved and eternally kept safe. I don't know about you, but this moves me today that God would use Mary and Joseph, that he would use a manger, that he would use a little village in the backwoods of Judea called Bethlehem, the house of bread, that he would use magi from the east. They traveled 5,000 miles to the Savior's side. It would be like me traveling from New York City all the way to L.A. and all the way back, just to put it in perspective. Maybe on a camel's back. They traveled this far, past the palace, to the stable. God doesn't use the high and mighty, no. He uses the humble and lowly. He still works the same way. He uses those that are low on the social class. And I get it. He came for the down and out, yes, but he also came for the up and in. God wants to save everybody. But when you read the Bible, it tells story after story about how God uses those that nobody else would know or, or nobody else would use. And I want to prophesy over you that God has great and mighty plans in store for you and your family. You have to humble yourself to step into the stable. Can you hear the song? Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners Reconcile, joyful, all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born today in Bethlehem. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for the narrative. And the phrase that sticks out to me is joyful, all ye nations rise, join the triumph. Of the skies. Would you agree? The Bible is a book of joy, gladness, and glee. The word joy is mentioned over 
300 times, not counting other words like rejoice, enjoyment, and happy. But as you study this theme, you will see how important it is for us to have fun. For me, I have found out that the most satisfying feeling as a father is to see my little victory and glory and hide and lie and having fun. Nothing else brings satisfaction quite like their laughs and their love. How much more does our God in heaven desire to see his kids well taken care of? Matthew 7, 11 says, If you on earth know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? And the Holy Spirit, my friend, is the greatest gift. Do you have a reason to rejoice before we light this candle? And I pray Do do, do you have a reason to rejoice this Christmas season? If you can't come up with one, I'll help you out. Luke 10, 20 says that you can rejoice knowing that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh my gracious, we need to turn our frown upside down. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life and they will never be blotted out. And here's what God has to say. Nehemiah 8.10 The joy of the Lord is your strength. Psalm 16.11 In His presence is fullness of joy. Eternal pleasures in His right hand. James 1.2 Consider it pure joy, my friend, whenever you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance will bring you to spiritual maturity. Isaiah 12, 6, shout aloud and sing for joy, for great is the Holy One of Israel, and He is among you. Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming. Everybody say it's coming. It's coming in the morning. And this is my prayer for you today, that you would get this joy down deep into your heart. Joy, joy, joy. For many, it's the missing link in the Christmas life. God is going to restore the joy of your salvation today because you really cannot endure what you do not enjoy. And we all know this, in life we will suffer affliction. But we can rejoice knowing that we will overcome them all. And I'll close here. This is the shepherd's candle. It's the candle of joy. And this is my prayer that God would fill our hearts and our homes this holiday season. And that you would live, love, and laugh like you've never lived, loved, and laughed before in Jesus' name. Why? Because joy is a demonstration of your revelation. And the revelation is this. Jesus Christ has a plan. So expect his kingdom to come and for his plan to come to pass Hallelujah, this holiday season. Everybody say, ha, ha, ha. I'll see you next week as we light the fourth and final candle 
of Advent, but I speak joy over you today. Live, laugh, and love in a mighty, mighty way in Jesus' name. God bless you. I can't wait to talk to you again next week. God bless you. This program was made possible by the generous partners and friends of Chance Walters Ministries International. Until next time, we are on the Revival Road. For more information, download our free ministry app or go to our website at www.chancewalters.org.